Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This episode is brought to you by Twizzlers. Long day, late night, feeling a little bored. Twizzlers is the ultimate sidekick for any moment of the day, no matter what kind of day you're having. The perfect level of sweet and a fun excuse to sit back and relax. Unwind with Twizzlers. To buy now, visit Hersheyland.com slash Twizzlers. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the Olive Podcast Health and Wellness Series. I'm Janine, Olive's Deputy Editor and Podcast Host, and for the next few weeks, I'll be catching up with experts in the field to get some great insight, advice, and inspiration. From wellness trends to special diets and how to get your 30 plants a week, we'll be covering a diverse range of subjects. Listen out for new episodes each Friday. I'm delighted to welcome Ryan Riley to the podcast. Ryan is a food writer, author and founder of Life Kitchen, a cookery school that provides free classes to people whose taste has been affected by cancer or cancer treatment. Ryan has written three books, Life Kitchen, Taste and Flavour and his latest Small Pleasures that we're going to chat all about today. Welcome, Ryan. How are you? I'm very good. How are you? Thank you for coming all the way from Brighton. Uh, you know what? It was so easy. Um, do you know what? I always say I've written three books, but I've actually written about six. I know. I was going to say, because when I was looking online, you've given free books out yeah. as well, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. Because of what we do in Life Kitchen, yeah. I always want to make sure there's something accessible for yeah. people. No, I, lo- I love the fact that when I was looking... Um, listed as well were like several different books that were sort of as you did taste and flavor you'd written extra books that you could give away which I think is great and it kind of speaks to your whole story actually which is an amazingly generous one um for people who don't know because you just talk a little bit about your journey so far um about life kitchen and and kind of what it offers people and how you came to do it in the first place because it is quite a fascinating story thank you I mean it's it's really weird when people say that because it's just my life and you know like, oh, it's such a fascinating story and and I guess on the outside it is but you know Life Kitchen started when I was well actually I guess it started when I was 18 yeah not officially as an organization but that's when my mother was diagnosed with small cell lung cancer and her kind of journey with cancer was a very interesting time because it wasn't necessarily the losing her eyebrows or the losing, you know, kind of her life in general. It was yeah. about food for her. She couldn't eat, she couldn't taste because of the treatment. And that kind of just evolved into depression, kind of, you know, stepping back from meal times. And all she really then ate in the end was um, sugary cold ice pops. Wow. So I guess my first intro to Life Kitchen, uh, the idea that I was going to come up with, was watching my mother go through that. And she died when I was 20. And um, it was very sudden. She shouldn't have died as quickly as she did, actually. 
And I then moved to London three weeks later because I won £28,000 in a casino. I, this, was, this was the bit that I didn't know about. You won £28,000. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's just sort of something like in a movie. Yeah. If yeah. it was in a movie, you'd go, oh, that's a bit far-fetched. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was one of those things. Um, my friend took me to a casino to try to cheer me up. She was like, we need to get out. And I was like, I've got £20 to my name. And she was like, well, the perfect place. Let's go to a casino. If you win, we'll go out in Newcastle. If not, then we won't. Wow. And my first bet, my one pound bet, and I won twenty eight thousand pounds from it. Wow! It was That's mad. Crazy. It was mad, and I didn't realize I'd won either yeah. because I was so spaced out from everything that, that was happening in my life at yeah. the time. My friend was like, Ryan, tap me on the shoulder and being like, "You've just won the jackpot." That's crazy. So then, what did you? So what? So the next day, you were just like, "That's it. I'm going to do something." Hey, or... I, I didn't wait till the next day. I called Kimberly, um, who's my co-founder at Life Kitchen, and my best friend. She also lost her mother to cancer at three a.m. in the morning, being like. I've just won this money, pack up the flat, we're going to London. <laughs> and we flew to Barcelona, had this ridiculous holiday, flew back into London, and I had about 26 grand left, and I thought, that's yeah. rent up front for a year. So I, w- I was in this London estate agent's dream. I was 21 years old, just, no, 20 years old, yeah. 21, walked into the estate agents and said, I've got all this money. Can you give me a house? Wow. And honestly, I'd never seen an estate agent look happier. Yeah. And we rented a house in Walthamstow 10 years ago now. So you've got this house and you're in London. And then, obviously, I think you said, um, is it Kimberly? Yeah, Kimberly. Yeah, Kimberly was um, into food as well. You were both. Yeah, of... we did a thing called Jamie Sundays. And um, so we'd cook every weekend from a Jamie Oliver book. So... We ended up teaching ourselves Jamie Sundays and we'd have a bottle of wine on a Sunday. It was actually a bottle of champagne because I still thought I was rich from that champagne, from that casino money. And we um, <laughs> um, we then emailed Camden Market and said, we really want to open a Japanese food store. Two white kids from Sunland with no talent wanted to open that. And they said yes. And were you drunk at this yeah. point? Yeah. <laughs> Why would I want to do that? But I said it and I did it for two years. So you did open that food yeah, store? Yeah, it was called Goy. I loved it. Oh, it was terrible. Amazing. And I'm really sorry to all those people that ever bought food from us. Um, no one died. So that was good. Um, we never made a penny. <laughs> what kind of things did you sell? Um, Gigiwaza, Katsukoi, standard stuff. But back... I'm sure it was absolutely... Like, looking at your recipes, you've got that innate talent. I'm sure it was it was great, and you're just doing yourself down I'm here. I'm not sure. Yeah, we never made a penny, but but that is what taught me, that experience, yeah. that I love food and I could interact with people. Yeah. And that's kind of what set me on the journey to Life Kitchen as it is today. Yeah. Now, for many, many of our <laughs> crazy times doing that, yeah. we kind of just... Right out of money, as London is, you know, a yeah, little bit expensive. expensive. Yeah. And I ended up going to, um, I have never really talked about this part. I kind of gloss over this part. But um, we ended up going to university to study food. Now, I made it about two weeks before I dropped out. Kim continued. She continued. <laughs> like, she was your bedrock, basically. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and, and at the time, I thought, well, I don't want to. I don't want to get a restaurant job because I'm not that type of chef. Yeah, I'm a. I want to be a food writer, and I ended up working at the Sainsbury's magazine. Okay. <laughs> so I went to. I went to Sainsbury's magazine. Um, I spent time there. I came to BBC Good Food magazine for a whole day. Yeah. <laughs> um, I went kind of uh, traveling around all the yeah. food mags, um, interning, doing bits and pieces, and then ended up as a food stylist. 
But I've got this kind of thing in me where I just decide that I just don't want to wait around for things to be done there, anyone else's way. So instead of interning, or like assisting as a food stylist, I did a few gigs and then went out on my own. As if you could just casually do that. But I did. And my first gig I landed was a seven, no, a £900 a day Emirates advert. Oh, my God. That sounds terrifying. Yeah, it was. I <laughs> <laughs> don't know why I did that. From then, that was really when I felt like I had the grounding in food is my whole point to this story. Yeah. And I went home and I had a drink with um, my ex-boyfriend at the time. And I then tweeted this idea saying... I wanted to do one. I wanted to do a cooking class. People living with cancer. Yeah. Can anyone help with the venue? Can the food? And it just went absolutely viral. Yeah. Um, hundreds of retweets, and I ended up with um, a sort of campaign online where people were like, "Yeah, let's do this." Yeah. And then I went on the Today program to ten million people, casually as you do. It's mad, isn't um, it? It's almost like you were, it was just meant to happen. Mm -hmm. You know, like it was always just waiting there. Especially that idea. It must have been in the back of your mind for years for, for years that you'd and you were and you'd gone around all these different routes and you weren't getting what you needed from it yeah. so this was something that you wanted to do so I had to do the science side of it and get in touch with a guy called Professor Barry Smith yeah I've read about him he so you is. so you actually went to get science I mean which is great it wasn't it was this kind of pipe dream almost and then you were like this is serious now we have to do it properly exactly that and yeah. I had no no choice in doing it because I'd just told 10 million people on the radio yeah. that I was going to do it. Um, so I went to find Barry and he was, he. Well, I actually found him by accident. I heard him on a podcast yeah. and I thought, wow, that's the man I need. So I tracked him down. I don't know how I tracked him down, but I did. And that was six years ago. Yeah. And we literally, literally have been working together since day one of Life Kitchen. This episode is brought to you by Twizzlers. Long day, late night, feeling a little bored. Twizzlers is the ultimate sidekick for any moment of the day, no matter what kind of day you're having. The perfect level of sweet and a fun excuse to sit back and relax. Unwind with Twizzlers. To buy now, visit Hersheyland.com slash Twizzlers. What's the process when you work with Barry? Like you, you take him your ideas for recipes and he says, oh, or does he start with these other touch points that we need to yeah. cover? Yeah, he starts with these. This, this is all about, you know, our taste. This is how umami enhances other foods. This is how sour is the fastest firing receptor. You know, all those little things. Oh, really? So yeah. that's, so, so like there are... I mean, I know on diagrams of the tongue, we've got like sweet, savory, uh, they sour. Always, they always, including we do this as well, yeah. they always divide it up on the tongue, but it doesn't work like that. Our oh, receptors okay. are everywhere. Um, <laughs> then it's not, they're not on perfect little groups in a lovely diagram. But, you know, that's how we it's explain so it. It's so neat like that, isn't it? <laughs> I know. But um, no, they're everywhere. But, but sour is the fastest firing. So, okay, so that's the one that you, you feel first. That's how when kids have sour stuff, they immediately go, ooh, and pucker their mouth yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so we kind of use all of those things to kind yeah. of enhance how we do it. And and there's loads of science behind it. But I'm not a science person. Barry is. <laughs> so he, he tells me, and I go, what does that mean mm. in layman's terms? Yeah. And he says, lemon vinegar. And I go, right. But it's good that you've got someone like that. And then you've got someone like you who's interpreting it for people like me who, you know, may, I'm, Maybe I just don't want to go down the signs. I just want to be told. Yeah. Or, or you know, someone who's suffering, who just, just wants the meal that's going to taste of something. Yeah, yeah. which is at the core of it, what we do. Yeah. So with, with Life Kitchen, you, you've you got a, a physical cookery school. 
Yeah, we've got um, we've got one in the northeast of England, and then we um have a thing called Future Dreams House in London. Yeah, so that's like a big breast cancer charity, and they have a beautiful like marble island kitchen, yep. and we kind of share that when we do London classes. But what the future of Life Kitchen will be back how we started. We're going to go traveling again all the way around the country, pop up cooking classes because the world is expensive. It's getting more and more expensive. And I don't want people traveling to us. I want to bring yeah. it to them. Life Kitchen's six years old. Yeah. And literally, we started it with, you know, one cooking class and we're six years old, which is wild. Yeah. But we're going to, we started out traveling. So we did River Cottage. We did. Jamie Oliver with the deals for all the big hitters. Yeah. And then, then we ended up with our own place. And now we're reversing it. So you're going to start moving around to different places. Yeah, I think this is the best way to do it. Make it as accessible as possible yeah. to people. But for the first time ever, I won't be teaching it. Oh, who's going to be teaching? Um, my team. Oh, that's I, good. Yeah. It gets to a point where I can't actually be everywhere at once. I yeah. like to think I can be. Yeah, you have to. I mean, you know, a lot of the new books about self-care and you need to yeah, yeah. address that as well. <laughs> I yeah, I'm very good at that. That's why I wrote this book. And and that's why I, yeah, I wanted to talk well, to let, you about. Yeah, let, let's talk about the new book and your motivations for writing Small Pleasures. Yeah, so my, my motivations were, were quite a difficult one because Life Kitchen did so well as yeah. a book. And then dropped off the face of the earth because I came out on the 5th of March, 2020. And two weeks later, it was a global pandemic. Oh, my God. The timing. Yeah. What can you do? Though? Like, nothing. Yeah. And everyone, everyone's first thing when I tell them that, they go, but it was pandemic. Everyone was cooking. Yeah, everyone was cooking the famous people that they knew. Yeah. Like, I was just my first ever book. People didn't know me. And we kind of, we kind of basically went through this thing of, what's going to happen now? My publishers didn't know what to do. Yeah. I didn't know what to do. Life Kitchen was suddenly inaccessible. We couldn't open the cookery school. We couldn't do anything. Um, I'd just spoken to my, my ex-boyfriend and I'd moved to a different part of the country and my career was gone and my boyfriend was gone and everything was gone. And I was just like, I don't really know what to do here now. Yeah. Um, and I didn't really have any money either. You know, people people look at Life Kitchen and look at all my success and they always, they always think, one, Life Kitchen is a huge organization. And the second is they always think we're rich. I am neither. Yeah. Um, Life Kitchen is three people in total still. Yeah. And um, four if you count my sister, but she's my family, so she kind of doesn't have choice. And then money-wise, we just, um, I paid for pretty much everything. Yeah. You know, there's a couple of great organizations like the NHS or the Northern Cancer Line. Like, these are like just general lovely people who wanted to help but the book paid for quite a lot of things. Yeah. And that's kind of what, where it all... And it's hard, it's all rested on your it, shoulders yeah, as well. Yeah. And then suddenly that's all... And then all the pressure lockdown, came. Yeah. And then I, and I, I was kind of sober during that point in my life as well. And, and not because I had any problems with it back then. But it was one of those things where I was just in the countryside, in this new house, no career, no money... No friends, Were in a pandemic. On your own as well? Yeah, I just took the house a month before. Wow. It was a three-bedroom farmhouse in the countryside. I can't drive either. <laughs> so did you feel quite isolated? Yeah. So my, it got to the point where my dad had to move in with me. So did you, were you kind of suffering? Yeah, Your I just... mental health was suffering? Yeah, massively. And I just, you know, I was cooking along and I was doing things on Instagram because that's what you had to do. Yeah. And it was just all a little bit not who I am. Yeah. And all since 2020, my interest and love for food just kept going down and down until literally finishing this book last year. And I signed this book the, just before my first one came out. Okay. It's been four years in the making. Yeah. And this book for me, literally, 
I missed four deadlines last year on it because wow. I just couldn't finish it because I was in such a bad place Were emotionally. Still, so still last year? Yeah, it just kept getting worse. Like, like I w- I'd do other things and I'd do really cool things, but then Life Kitchen came back and we could do all these cookery classes and I was doing hundreds and hundreds of them a year and being around death constantly. And I did an interview with the Press Association recently and I said that I'd been invited to 50 funerals and they obviously wanted us. I've been to 50 funerals, but I have been to a lot. And I just kind of gradually got kind of more depressed and then to cope with that I'd be out partying and drinking and doing all of this stuff and that then is a self-perpetuating cycle and then I didn't have a house anymore because I couldn't afford the countryside house and it just kind of kept going and going and going and going and so how did you get yourself out of it I I think it's an ongoing process um I think having something to look forward to like the book is is interesting, but also the Holland and Barrett range that we've got coming out. Yeah, that really changed a lot for me. Yeah, because it was the first time we're going to make some real money. Well, we hope, <laughs> and the second time it's, it's it's like the first time we're going to have people who really know Life Kitchen on a really big scale. Yeah, and it's just exciting. Well, let, let's talk a little bit more about the book because obviously it's just coming out. And your philosophy for the book. So you've got it's it's got three chapters: comfort, restoration, and pleasure, which you're calling the three stages of recovery. Tell us, talk to us about them. Yeah, so it's my manifesto of flavor. Yeah, I love that word. I just think manifesto I, is a great word. It is because it often is just political, but yeah. here it was about this. This book took me from my darkest to my best. Yeah, and. I think that's just such an encouraging prospect. Sure. You know, comfort is for when you're in the real worst places of your life, when you just, when you're really physically ill, when you've got cancer, the flavors are still there from book one. All yeah. the science is still in this book. So whether you've got cancer, whether you've got mental illness like me, whether you've got tiredness, whether you just run down in general. And then you move into kind of restoration when you're trying to get back on your feet, feet gut, yeah. um, gut boosting, immune boosting, Sometimes just zingy, fresh flavors that just yeah, make you feel just like give you a bit of a there's lift. a bit of a lift. Yeah, exactly yeah. that. And then pleasure is where I am in my life right now. Yeah, good. And it is just pure indulgence. Yeah. <laughs> I've always been a boy who's about pure indulgence. Yeah. And I just think it's called joyful recipes for difficult times because that is the truth. Yeah. I wrote it in difficult times. I had difficult times. Yeah. And recipes are what made me get there. Yeah. Made me get through it. And. Like, I'm not kidding, trying to write this book was the hardest thing I've ever done. Yeah. Because I just didn't care for food anymore. Yeah. And that, I mean, that probably speaks to a lot of, you know, the audience that you're writing for. First of all, you know, cancer sufferers. Then, you know, your second book was all about people who had long COVID and lost their, or or even just lost their sense of taste during COVID. And I, I, I think some people didn't really get it back. And now this one which, you know, touches on the mental health crisis that's still going on and the fact that food is one of those touchstones that that gives us so much pleasure and it can give us, like, a link to other people, companionship, you know, nostalgia, it, like, reminds all us of, of stuff. It. So all of those things are bound up in food. So not being able to taste is is horrible. Mm. So, I mean, the fact that you've written you've written this one is, is really important. And you mentioned... Uh, Barry Smith before and you mentioned about the um, you know the ingredients that are going to revive and in the beginning of the book you've got sort of eight of your hard working ingredients that you mentioned so we're just going to talk about a few of them 
and kind of what they bring to the party. Could you just touch on a few? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, let's talk about miso. Miso is my favorite ingredient. I've been using it for six <laughs> solid years. There's a lot years. of recipes with miso. Yeah, there <laughs> is. Um, for good reason. Yeah. Um, miso is a Japanese soybean paste. It's yeah. fermented. It is delicious. But what is more important is it's umami rich. Yeah. So for for your listeners who don't know what umami is, you have five taste buds. You have sweet, sour, salty, bitter, and umami. Umami is the savouriness you get in soy sauce, in cheese, in ham, in chips, and ketchup, in yeah. mushrooms, and all of the savoury deep foods that we really love. Yeah. But it's also very, very important because umami is one of those taste receptors that triggers all of your other taste receptors. So the more umami-rich food you have, the more of your other taste buds fire and get working. Okay. And I always explain it in Life Kitchen as umami knocks on the door of the other taste receptors okay. and says, hey guys, work harder. We're here today, we need to pump this up 50%. Yeah. And that's kind of what umami does. So the more umami you can get into your food, the more umami you can get into your palate, the more you're going to get of the sweet, the sour, the salty, and the bitter as well. Okay. So basically, I could have said that and wrote that in the book in three lines and went home. It's, it's <laughs> about all you really need to know. And for me, it is what well, it, miso it adds a lot of good flavor yeah. anyway. But um, that is the key to to flavor, yeah. in my opinion. And you mentioned earlier on about the vinegar sumac, the um, sour. So you've got, I think you've got in there, you've got sumac, which is a a spice. Yeah, yeah, a sort of. Mediterranean Middle Eastern spice. It has a lemony flavor. I, one, I like it because some of these key ingredients are about trying to get people to um, expand their food yeah. minds. Some of them are not the most flavorful, but sumac is pretty. It helps in food. And it is lemon flavor. People know what lemon is. Yeah. So by just trying to get them to step outside of it, because often people who are dealing with taste loss or dealing with food and et food aversion in any way. Yeah. Trying to get them to eat again after you haven't been eating very well or you can't taste anything can become a mental block, can become psychological. So you've got to find ways to navigate through that maze for people. And sometimes that is just being able to dust a dish with something that looks pretty. Sometimes it's about being able to talk to them about how lemon, sumac is lemon flavor, you like lemon. Yes, might not be able to have got lemon before, but we can use this as a sort of formula yeah. to get back to flavor. Um, so quite a lot of the things that we do is about breaking down psychological barriers yeah. as well. And it's simple A lot well. more than I signed up to do yeah. when I started Life <laughs> Kitchen. But here we are. But you're there. And also, you know, something like sumac, it's surprising because you might not have a lemon in the fridge, but you might have that little jar of sumac, which could last you a year, you know, and you can just sprinkle a bit on there. Mm -hmm. I think another thing I really liked about the book was the shortness of the ingredients list. Yeah, I'm a lazy cook. Yeah. I am. I really am. <laughs> but I it's great, though, to say you can pack in the flavor, but you're going to need three, four, five ingredients. I yeah. mean, that's fantastic. Yeah, eat your heart, Jimmy. I did some of my recipes in three. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I just really want it to, it to be accessible. Yeah. I, um, I'm a lazy cook. I like to spin things and make them classics and, and put them, make them mm. easier, make them more delicious. Don't tell the French. There's a French pickled onion soup in here that I make with pickled onion. I saw onions. that. That looks, I mean, I'm a big pickled onion Me fan. Too. So. <laughs> I just thought. That was how, an easy win for me. How do you, how do you spin a recipe and make it better? And how do you increase the flavor? Everything I do, I'm thinking about how do we step up the flavor? Yeah. And I often break that down to the base ingredients. Okay, so pick, um, French onion soup has onions in it. 
what other onions were on the market. Yeah. And that's how I stopped my recipes. I'm like, spring onions, mm. or there's pickled onions, there's red onions. And I'm like, well, everyone's done the other two. Let's try pickled onions. And it just worked. And yeah. I loved it. And it's actually my favorite recipe in the book. Is it? I love it. And the, the other thing, you know, in terms of ease is the fact that there's so many recipes for one. And I think it's so normal to pick up a, um, you know, we're guilty of a magazine, a book, and it's recipe for four to six. And you just look at it and think, I'm not going to make that because there's only two of us or there's just me. And actually self-care, it's really difficult to cook for yourself, isn't it? Especially when you're in a the yeah. bottom of a hole yeah and that's basically what what this whole book is about it's about getting you to do that it's about giving you the tools and, and and the recipes to get there and you know even some of them um i often i say at the beginning that of the book in the intro that there is in incomplete dishes in this book there are right. dishes that are just they're not a meal but why what is a meal why yeah. does it have to be defined by that? Yeah. Get some food on a plate is often the biggest win that you need to do to get yourself back on your feet. So just simple ideas. Yeah. There's a recipe for oven chips with a cheese sauce. <laughs> I'm so Sounds surprised great. my publishers <laughs> let me do that. But, you know, why are you? You're not going to make chips. It's just unrealistic. You're going to put those in yeah. the oven and, yeah, make a little cheese sauce, you know, inspired by my time getting drunk in the northeast of England <laughs> eating cheesy chips. Um, it's what, you know... I just thought if you can have that nostalgia, have those little wins without judgment, food is incredibly elitist. Yeah. And I hate, I'm, I, I have no reason to be elitist. I have no right to be. And I think it's wrong. And for me, I'm just able to break down those barriers a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I love that. Um, tell us about a few more recipes in the book then. Go on, maybe pick one from each chapter. So which chapter was the... Um, the pickled onion soup in? I think that is in restoration. Restoration, yeah. Um, but if I have to pick anything, and what I'm holding up here is my miso scrambled eggs oh, with spring yeah. onions. And again, we're here back in the miso territory. But it's simple. I mean, how many ingredients have you got there? One, two, three, four in the eggs and three in the serving. Amazing. In the toast. Um, what I find really, really good about this recipe, and what I find about when I write recipes yeah. in general... When, I'm, when I know that something like miso needs to go into a recipe for the umaminess, yeah, you think about the flavor profiles of miso. Miso is salty. M miso is is um, savory. So where do you put salt? So I thought, eggs. Eggs always need salt. So then I just experimented with a bunch of different eggs. Yeah. Spreading it on a fried egg, you know, putting it, um, you know, putting it in a hollandaise, which works really well. If you ever want to put that in the mag. <laughs> um, and... Um, scrambled eggs felt like the most sense it's easy to do and I must say these are soft set scrambled eggs don't right. do them like the hard and fast way oh people should just do the eggs however they like them though, no they shouldn't they? they should do them my way <laughs> and I insist upon it I wrote this book okay I get to decide <laughs> no but, but soft scrambled eggs are better yeah they have um, the reason they're better is because when you are giving those fats a time to emulsify mm. together it creates richer, more decadent, more flavorful eggs. Okay. So I win. Do them soft. <laughs> I'll let you win that one. Um, and then it's all about the miso. So the miso um, will add an extra umami depth, but yeah. it will also add that perfect seasoning through every molecule of that, res that wow. recipe. And you'll just find that it's just really punchy and powerful and flavorful. And it's quite a nice, easy to eat thing. Yeah, as well, it sounds it? fancy. Yeah. <laughs> miso scrambled eggs. It sounds very fancy. Okay. You know, some restaurant in London will have that on their breakfast menu for about £14 yep. in about six months time that's so true I saw mince on toast on a menu and I was yeah. like I was like my grandma used to make that 
And 16 quid is too much. It's exactly, it's exactly what it's um, happening. Pick one from the, um, the... From Pleasure. From Pleasure, yeah. Oh, so Pleasure is a really interesting chapter for me. And it has to be what I just talked about. Oven chips. The cheesy chips. With comfy sauce. So what, what is the sauce then that you've got there? So the sauce is really simple. It is, you know, classic um, roux um, made with the best amount. And then you just add comfy into it. I'm not even kidding. This oh, is so it. It's, like it's, it's a, a cheese sauce. cheese sauce. It's comfy cheese sauce. And you just dip it in and then you just cover it in some... You know, you can cover it in some zatar. You can just add spices, whatever. So basically, whatever you, whatever yeah. You're what you got in the like. what, what have you got in the store cupboard? Okay, oh cool, amazing. Um, I think just to wrap up, let let's just touch on. You mentioned it before. Um, your plans for the future, starting with um, you've got this whole range of things coming out. I think with Holland and Barrett. Yeah. So, um, the, so the, the reason kind of flavor enhancers is yeah, that right? Yeah, taste boosting enhancers. And basically, the whole idea was there's one for each of our taste buds. So there's a salt for salt. There's a sour for sour. And that sour is a yuzu um, white wine vinegar that you spritz over your food at the end. Lovely. Yeah. Um, the is the sweet is the world's first miso honey. I love that. It is fantastic. You can use it in savoury. You can do it with a fried chicken. You can add it into anything. Um, you can have it on your breakfast porridge in the morning. You can yeah. have it in a caramel tart, a miso honey caramel tart. Yeah. Um, I've been doing a lot of experimenting with it, so it's it's, it's very much at the top of my head. Great. Um, the bitter one is incredible. It's kind of a wasabi pea and kale blend. Um, but I find it hard because bit, bitter is my least favourite flavour. Yeah. I can't stand coffee. I can't stand anything bitter. Really? Yeah. I'm, so a, I'm a sweet sugar boy to the to the ends of the things earth. things are are really good for you. Apparently. They are, like, they are. You know, but I always find that wild that we know that because who thought when they bit into something bitter and thought, you know what, that tastes so good, I'll yeah. continue on an experiment. <laughs> you would think it was poisonous. <laughs> yeah, <maybe>. exactly. <laughs> um, so sweet, sour, salty, bitter, and umami. So I also developed an umami paste. So it's a soy and honey umami paste. It has yeast extract in it, nice. and basically you can use that as a dressing for yeah. um, for anything. You can marinate stuff in it. What's really clever, you can dilute it down with hot water and it becomes an instant umami stock. Oh, nice. Or and a drink like Bovril. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, nothing's new, is it? We've all just <laughs> reinvented the wheel. Um, so that that rolled out in 750 stores recently. And then I got a call yesterday to say it's going to Ireland as well. Oh, that's great. And it's just mad. Like, who launches a product range and a cookbook in the same week? Well, me. you do. Yeah, I do. <laughs> and what else have you got coming up? Um, a lot more. We're going to be doing another book. Um, we're going to be doing another product range. Yeah. Um, and uh, who knows? Who knows? In my life, it could all be different yeah. by next week. So for anybody who, you know, is really interested in, in Life Kitchen or attending any of the cookery classes or just getting in touch with you, where, where, where's the best place to to find you? Um, Lifekitchen.co.uk, always the best place. But then social media. Yeah. It's just at Ryan Riley. We're two wise on the end yeah. at social media. Um. We're going to have loads more cookery classes in the summer. Right. We're kind of building up to that. We're planning the venues. Going back on tour is a logistical nightmare. Yeah. But I love it. But you'll be doing it. That's great. That's so good, Ryan. Well, thank you so much for coming to chat to us today. It's been lovely to meet you properly. Thank you so much. And I'm thrilled to have been on. And Small Pleasures is out now. Thank you for listening to the Olive Podcast. For recipes and more information, head to olivemagazine.com. Do remember to listen out for our effortless bonus episodes where our guests reveal their best cooking cheats, hacks and shortcuts. And don't forget to subscribe at iTunes, Acast, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts.